here's what I would say. The markets this morning make about as much sense as they do. The stock market is exploring the upper end of its range. Corn and wheat are thinking about the upside as well. Livestock's higher. Even the stock market is up. Not too bad a day. We'll talk about economic indicators in the Midwest and get the straight scoop from two of my absolute favorite farmers. Live from the first 24 of 24 via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This morning, I'll begin with a conversation with Dr. Ernie Goss from Creighton University's Heider School of Business. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Ben Renshi and Ted Hamer. Directly following the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm outstanding guest host Davis Michelson filling in for Chip. Good morning, beloved listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to AgriTalk this morning. As I mentioned, I am filling in for Chip this morning. Chip is out this week uh, enjoying some, you know what, to be honest, I, I don't want to give it away, but my man's out enjoying some fun in the sun. He found some actual warm sunshine and he and uh, the missus are soaking it in, and doggone it, super happy for him. Hope you're enjoying it wherever you may be, my brother. In the meantime, you and I have got to keep the ag boat floating right here on AgriTalk, and that's exactly what we do today. I've got a phenomenal show lined up for you. It all sort of fell in together. You know, some days it's like, okay, well, it's, uh, no, this one really came together super nicely. Um I'm going to start with Dr. Ernie Goss. We haven't checked in with Creighton University's, um, their, they do sort of a, they call it the Rural Main Street Economy Survey, um, and it's a monthly survey of the economy. We've covered it before, uh, but for a fifth straight month, the Rural Main Street Index sank below growth neutral. I don't know how big a deal of this, uh, this is. It, we're not too far below growth neutral, but we are below and I want to find out what's driving that. What does that mean for attitudes, for the way that, that farmers and ag bankers conduct business? Because we can't forget that ag banking connection to the financing that uh, so many of us rely on so heavily every year. Dr. Ernie Goss is, there's nobody better to talk about this sort of stuff. And he's got some some fresh results from his survey uh, that he'll report on for us here. And then we've got uh, Ben Renshi and Ted Hamer, both of these dudes. I mean, I'm going to pull stuff straight from the news. I'm going to pull stuff from my conversation. I'm going to run all sorts of stuff by these guys. I have tremendous respect for the both of them, um, and uh, I'm anxious to see their thoughts on a variety of things. Some we'll get deep into. Some we'll just sort of hit some quick hit, do you care, do you not care type stuff and move on from there. I'm really looking forward to today's show. And then uh, after the news here, Margie Echocamp from The Scoop. Will uh, will give us an update as to uh, to what she's thinking about lately. So let's begin with the National Weather Service near-term weather outlook: heavy rainfall and concerns for flash flooding for portions of the Lower Mississippi Valley, Tennessee Valley, and Gulf states through Friday morning. A swath of freezing rain and some accumulating snowfall will impact portions of the Midwest, Lower Great Lakes, Hello South Bend, and the Northeast. Much milder air with temperatures surging well above normal can be expected through the middle of the week. For much of the eastern half of the country yesterday afternoon, in case you missed it, we checked in with our 6 to 10 day and 7 to 14 day, um, excuse me, uh, forecast from, from the National Weather Service. And they flipped it from below normal temperatures expected to pretty much the entire, uh, nation looking for above normal temperatures in the 6 to 10 day and then especially in that 8 to 14 day forecast. Uh, so warming trend ahead, gang. Former President Donald Trump won the New Hampshire primary with more than 54%, while Nikki Haley held just under 44% with nearly 90% of votes counted. Trump's New Hampshire win follows his landslide victory last week in Iowa, where the former president won more than 50% of the vote. He is the first non-incumbent in the modern era to win both Republican presidential contests in Iowa and New Hampshire. Trump's win increases the chances of a rematch with Joe Biden. Uh, Nikki Haley vowed to fight on... But her loss raises questions about how long she can stay in that race. That'll be a key here, and we'll get to that in just a second. Excuse me. Um, an interesting note on the Haley campaign there. On the Democratic side, President Joe Biden also beat his challengers via a write-in campaign, defeating Representative Dean Phillips from Minnesota and author Marianne Williamson. Now, I, I'm reporting this for the for the sake of fairness and, and balancedness, but on the Democratic side, it really doesn't 
doesn't mean anything. It's it's just sort of nifty, kind of something that they decided that they would do. Um, this is interesting here. If Trump is convicted of a felony, 42% of voters in New Hampshire and nearly a third of Iowa's Republican caucus goers said Trump would be unfit for the presidency. I want to ask our panelists about this one, and this may be why Ms. Ha- uh, Mrs. Haley is still in the race here and will hang on uh, for a little bit longer. Uh, six House Republicans have expressed their opposition to increasing the reference prices that trigger farm subsidy payments. What? They argue that during a time when Congress should be focused on reducing federal spending, it's important to resist costly efforts that expand government intervention into the free market. Yeah, I probably should bring this one up to Ben and Ted as well. Argentina led global in food inflation in 2023, beating out Lebanon and Venezuela. Lebanon uh, reported its overall price index, which was 192% compared to 211% for Argentina and 193% for Venezuela. Today marks 700 days since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg warned the war has turned in to a battle of ammunition. And finally, wholesale beef prices affirmed um, on Tuesday, pushing cutting margins into the black, which should give packers some incentive to more actively bid for market-ready cattle supplies coming later on this week. And now let me bring in Margie Echocamp from The Scoop. Margie, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Davis. Yeah, looking to do a little bit of a crossover if you're game for it this morning. I'm absolutely game. What you got? Yeah, so a little bit of a crossover for our ag retail and scoop audience and the other half of my role at Farm Journal, which is leading top producer and that CEO business-minded farmer. And what my crossover is referring to is a very exciting opportunity we continue to have with the team of Ag Launch. So Ag Launch is an ag technology accelerator based out of Memphis, but with a growing national footprint. And every year we help them put the spotlight on 10 startups that show great promise across the spectrum of ag. So in just a week and a half, if you can believe it, we will be at Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. There is still, yep, it's exciting. And AgriTalk will be there as well, as well as at least one of our farmer panelists that'll be on your show later this afternoon. But folks can still get registered at tpsummit.com. Again, that's taking place February 5th to the 7th in Kansas City. On February 6th, we will hear pitches from this year's cohort of startups. So there are 10 of them. They span everything from biologicals to some artificial intelligence, as well as some livestock applications as well. So a little bit of everything for everyone, including just being inspired about what these founders and entrepreneurs are looking to bring forward in the industry. Always a highlight of my year as I've worked with Ag Launch, but in the recent history too, we've been able to bring them into Top Producer Summit, and we're really looking forward to hosting them. Uh, bringing the the traditional farmer in to uh, into communion with the the brand new stuff coming out on the market. Margie, lots to be excited about at uh, Top Producer Summit and with your Ag Launch cohort there. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Davis. Coming up next, we've got Dr. Ernie Goss, Ph.D. from the Jack A. McAllister Chair in Regional Economics at Creighton University's Hyder College of Business. Whew. We're going to talk about uh, the economy. Stick around. Biogel, a new carbon-based product labeled for both conventional and organic crops, is now available. Biogel, when applied in furrow at the low rate of one pound per acre, retains up to 20% more water at the crop roots, slows nitrogen leaching, and is also a carbon food source for soil microbes, enabling your crop to handle drought and stress and increase yields. For more information, call 855-4-BIOGEL. That's 855-4-B-I-O-G-E-L. Potential. It's the one thing that farmers work tirelessly to reach. Sometimes it takes more than just sweat equity. It takes real financial backing. 
And whether it's land, equipment, or a little help to make the most of your operation, FBN Finance is the partner for you. At FBN Finance, our farmer's first philosophy means that we have a team of ag experts that looks at each farm and farmer's unique needs, giving you a loan package that fits your goals. And now with FBN Finance, you can get $500 off closing costs for farmland loans over $250,000. With great rates, instant approvals, and a pre-qualification on farmland loans, FBN Finance has everything you need to be your partner in the fields and with your finances. Start your farmland loan today at fbn.com slash agritalk or call 833-FBN-LEND. That's 833-FBN-LEND. FBN Finance, more than a lender. Financing offered by FBN Finance, LLC, and its lending partners. Available where FBN Finance, LLC is licensed. Terms and conditions apply. NMLS ID 1631119. When we told growers that Bayer Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trifold, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Hey, y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here behind the big green leafy microphone in Chip's stead. Chip will be back next week. Uh, this afternoon, we've got Michelle Rook behind the big green leafy microphone. She'll have a conversation with Arlen Suderman, good friend of the show, always a, uh, a great guest. Um, I'm going to bring in Dr. Ernie Goss from uh, Creighton University's Hyder College of Business in just a moment for some context here. Let me just read this. Creighton University's monthly rural Main Street economy survey reports falling confidence among respondents. Higher borrowing costs, tighter credit conditions, and weaker grain prices push the farm equipment sales index below growth neutral for the seventh time in the past eight months. And economic confidence remained very weak. Um, let's bring in Dr. Ernie Goss right now. Um, Jack A. McAllister, Chair in Regional Economics at Creighton University's Hyder College of Business. It's a heck of a title. Dr. Goss, welcome to AgriTalk. Good morning, sir. Well, perhaps we're still waiting on the connection there just a little bit. Um, there are a number of these sorts of uh, surveys out there. This one from Creighton has, has been very interesting because it, it breaks out sort of the expectations that, that bankers have um, here. It looks like maybe I'm getting a note here. We've got Dr. Goss. Dr. Goss, welcome to AgriTalk. Have we got you? Yeah, you've got me. Glad to be with you. Sorry for that connection for issue on my part. Oh, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. We're just glad to uh, glad to have you with us there. Dr. Goss, um, you're over there at Creighton. You do the survey every month here. I guess maybe, you know, for the fifth straight month, we've, we're below growth neutral here. I guess maybe just for a wide view, I would ask you, you know, just your general thoughts on this before we get into any general specifics, sir. Well, it's, of course, a survey of bank CEOs in rural areas of 10 states talking about uh, mostly farm conditions. And uh, as most of your listeners would know, uh, we were talking about somewhat weaker commodity prices, agricultural commodity prices. Likewise, the higher interest rates are beginning to cut into uh, what's going on in the farm. And also the global economic slowdown, whether that's in China or Asia or Europe, that's having some impacts on the farm economy. And that's what bankers are telling us. Uh, looking at that, uh, at the 
the specific readings here, the region's overall reading for January uh, rose to 48.1. That's up from a 41.7, Dr. Goss, in December. Um, that almost feels like we're on the cusp of maybe popping back over growth positive here. Am I, uh, am I looking at the increase and reading too much into it, sir? No, you, you're seeing the glass is half full. And, of course, economists, we always see it as half empty. But you're right. <laughs> things, are, things are not as bad as I'm implying. But we've seen uh, farm equipment sales, for example, decline for the seventh, seventh month out of that last eight months. Ooh. And, of course, now on the positive side, if, you, if you're a seller of farmland, farmland prices are continuing to expand at a pretty good pace. And, of course, that's just a, that what we're talking about there, in my judgment, is long-term versus short to intermediate term. In other words, the long-term outlook for the agricultural sector is very positive. We're talking, and now in terms of the short to intermediate term, little issues there with the higher interest rates. On the positive side also, we asked the bankers about uh, farm uh, loan delinquencies, almost none. Delinquencies are up a bit, but less than one percentage point. So that's the good news. I think it's more to do with... Uh, what's going on on rural main street businesses mm. that would be the retailers that would be the farm equipment sellers they're seeing some slowdowns and that's what bankers are seeing and that's what they're reporting on not so much what's going on, on the farm though now i'm curious here you're when you talk about something you just said made me think of it i mean you've got your your small town implement dealer they're they're selling tractors and plows and etc out there implements um, but then you've also got those, you know, you got the barbershop downtown. You've got, you know, Mary just opened up a little store to sell her crochet stuff and whatever. Does your survey taking into account those crochet shops and barbershops as well? Or are we just looking strictly at strictly ag-related businesses on rural Main Street? It has to do with those others, retailers, the housing okay. market. We ask separate questions in regard to that. We'll ask about retail sales. We ask about uh, housing sales. And those are down, but, but it's primarily based upon the farm economy. And the farm economy, of course, is is front and center on all in the areas we survey. And of course, that's what we're seeing. And the global economic slowdown, that's and that particularly in China, that's being telegraphed back to this part of the country. And that's particularly true for the pork producers in in Iowa, for example, which is an important sector of the Iowa ag economy. And that's we're seeing some softer numbers there. Livestock, uh, beef, on the other hand, beef is holding up pretty well, and that's across all the way from Colorado to Illinois in the east, and of course that's that's important as well. But we're seeing grain prices uh, a bit lower today than they were a year ago, and lower than today than they were three or four months ago. You've got some bankers in here. Um, one specifically that you that you quoted, he's pretty concerned for. Uh, for how much farmers can make in the coming year. He's concerned about 2024 uh, and the uh, the balance sheets on the farm there. Where does uh, that concern come from? Mostly, I think, from higher interest rates, but also a slowdown in, in uh, the uh, softer agricultural commodity prices. Mm -hmm. And that we're seeing that. We're seeing those, uh, The again, again, the global economy is slowing down. We're talking about uh, uh, other factors like, again, farm equipment sales. And, you know, if you take a look at the exchange, the ETF, Exchange Traded Fund for Agricultural Equipment and Agricultural Products, that number is down from $90 plus per share down to $70 plus per share. That's telling us something that something is softer there in the agriculture economy. In that exchange traded uh, fund, that MOO, it's M-O-O, that's telling us companies like John Deere and others that are offering agricultural products, they're seeing some softer numbers, and that's being reflected in our survey. That's interesting. I, I don't want that to, to slip by our listeners. You're talking about that stock symbol, MOO, as an equipment manufacturer's ETF, as, a, as something that you kind of keep an eye on. Did I hear that right? We do. Uh, we do keep okay. an eye on it. It's not part of our survey, but sure. that's sure. Hey, take a look. It's not just the equipment. There's also soft products like fertilizer producers and others that are also in there. But that's down. It's it, Yesterday, when I took a look at it, it was 70 plus, and that's down from 90 plus uh, a year ago. So that's some, that's that's telling us something about the agricultural sector. But I don't want to be too pessimistic. Long term, long term, 
we're we're in a good place for agriculture, but it's this short term downturns that we're seeing right now. Yeah, um, it it does feel like there's an awful lot working against um, the row crop farmer in the U.S. coming up in the coming year. There are export concerns, there are, there are competition concerns, and then we got this huge carryover. And you're talking about um, the the economic downturn in the rest of the of the world. Does that downturn threaten necessarily some some business coming out of the U.S. or you know the stuff that that farmers are trying to sell on the export market? Are they enough of a gotta have kind of a thing that we can weather this storm even with the what you might call a bulging carryout? Oh, we will weather it. I mean, in other words, this this is at the margin. It is important though. I don't want to underestimate that where there's pork sales in China or whether it's it's corn sales in Mexico. All that is important, but again, the uh, the overall the farm sector looks reasonably strong. Now we've got the uh, farm bill, which is well, where is that bill? I mean, right. uh, coming out of D.C. I mean that that doesn't help. And also, some areas we're still seeing some weather conditions. That's the drought, of course, and the drought conditions in certain parts of the region that we survey is important. Um. I'm, part of part of your survey here led me to um, to transitioning the the, the word in here. Um, I'm just going to read it. When asked about the share of farm clients facing generational transition, that sounds like succession planning to me. On average, bankers estimate that approximately 25 percent will face transition issues in the next decade. Am I thinking about this correctly when we're thinking about succession? And if so, what are these transition issues, and how can we solve them? Well, the, I don't think there's much. I don't mind uh, uh, what I see there. I I see it as more positive, uh, okay. and that's uh, in other words, transition. We're talking about retirement, of course, selling mm-hmm. the farm, and fifty over more than fifty percent say they expect those farms to go to the heirs. Another forty plus percent say that they'll go to other farmers in the area, and that's very good. In other words. Okay. We see too much, I believe, in my judgment, too much hype about the sales going to Chinese, sales yeah. going to others outside. No, it's mostly within the community, and that's good in my judgment, and that's that bodes well for the long term for the agricultural sector. For sure, for sure. Um, Dr. Ernie Goss, you've been uh, very generous with your time this morning. It sounds like, although you're... You're saying you're an economist, and so you see the glasses half empty. I don't know. I'm. I may be detecting some some bubbles of optimism in there, brother. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I <laughs> I, I live in this part of the country, and I have to say, in the best part of the best nation on the face of the earth, it's Preach. good to be in be. It's good to be linked to agriculture in the long yes, term. Sir. Yes, sir. Dr. Ernie Goss from Creighton University. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Have a great day. Oh, thank you. Nice to be with you. Absolutely. Uh, We appreciate Dr. Goss's time. Well, coming up, we've got the Farmer Forum. I'm going to bounce some of these ideas off the fellas. i got Ben Renshi and Ted Hamer, a couple of really smart dudes. Let's see what they're thinking about today on AgriTalk. When you're planting, having the right scale system on your bulk fill planter or drill pays for itself. Use Point from ScaleTech to verify proper seeding rates and make money-saving adjustments on the fly. Not to mention monitor your seed supply with pinpoint accuracy. You could guess, but why? Instead of checking your hoppers manually, keep your tractor moving and let Point do the work. Save time and money with Point. Visit ScaleTech.com to learn more. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. If your employer doesn't supply health care coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. Give us a call at 800-801-2730. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, the setup here, the stock market is higher. The livestock markets are mostly higher. And corn is higher, grains are higher. What is going on here, dude? Yeah, uh, most of the markets are uh, showing a firmer tone here, Davis. Uh, A few exceptions to that, uh, one being soy oil. But uh, 
uh, and soybeans are kind of choppy. But uh, for the most part, we're seeing corrective gains in, in the corn market. Uh, the meal market's uh, rebounding off its recent lows. And meal's kind of been just a drag on, on the entire grain and, and soy complex here recently. Uh, wheat futures are working to the upside with SRW leading the way there. And, and uh, um, you know, outside markets are supportive. Uh, crude oil's about a buck higher. Uh, the U.S. dollar index is more than 500 points lower. You mentioned the stock market being higher. And, and so um, outside markets are working in conjunction uh, uh, with the uh, corrective buying in the, the grain trade this morning. I'm going to steer us into the rhubarb just for a second here. But we have been wondering here on AgriTalk when that money is going to move from the stock market back into commodities here. Are we toppy enough in the stock market now or do we push it higher, do you think? Well, the ratios would tell you that uh, commodities are really cheap compared to the stock market, uh, but I, I just don't see at the moment uh, a mass movement uh, from long stocks into uh, long commodities, to be honest with you. Right on. Okay. Uh, the cattle complex, largely higher on the morning. Yeah. Uh, so live cattle kind of choppy, but with an upside bias, same with the feeder cattle. Uh, we're still waiting on cash cattle trade to develop. It looks like it'll probably be higher this week. Uh, the question is how much. Packer margins have moved back in the black, so that's positive there. And then hog futures, aside from the February contract, are trading to the upside this morning. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for being here on AgriTalk. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here with you in Chip's stead. Great conversation with Dr. Ernie Goss from Creighton to set up our uh, Farmer Forum here. Let me bring in my first guest, panelist Ben Renchi. Ben, thank you so much for uh, taking good the time to uh, be here with us today. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning. Glad to be here. Uh, ben, before we bring in uh, Ted here, I just I want to hear you know what's on your mind at the moment. What what are your priorities? Um, what's important to Ben Renchi right now today? Profitability and margins. I tell you, you know, in a year where, uh, you know, everything goes haywire, where interest rates go up and grain prices go down endlessly since the rallies last summer and everything, you know, I've learned from my input suppliers that they normalize the term better than expected. Because what are you going to do? You know, we didn't have much rain. We didn't have a big crop here. So you go out and you ask if the crop is better than expected. I want to normalize the term worse than expected. How's the grain market? Worse than expected. How's the interest price? Worse than expected. How's the farm equipment price going for you? Worse than expected. How's the weather? Still really hasn't started snowing or raining here since last year. So it's worse than expected. Let's normalize worse than expected. Wow. Wow. I like that. I like that. If you've got some pamphlets or something, send them over to Joe Stackler. I'll read them. Ted Hamer. Uh, okay. Come on in here, buddy. I feel like I'm surrounded by economic pessimism this morning. Where's your head at? Well, I was going to say that, uh, you know, I'm so good. If I was any better, I'd have to be twins. But <laughs> now I'm wor now I'm worse than expected. No, go with that. Go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, what, uh, what, what consumes your thoughts these days? You know, I... I spent a lot of time in the office, and I'm, it's just like Ben saying, spent a lot of time in the office, kind of like 
what we were showing on the balance sheet as the end of this year. And then we jump over and start working on cash flows and cost of production for this year and profitability uh, seems like a monumental task for this year going forward. Yeah. I'm just making a few notes here. So, you know what? I, I sent you fellas um, a list. I'm going to jump clear to the clear to the very end because I feel like where you're starting us here, Ben, let's let me send it over to you and Ted. I'm going to ask you, you know, to pipe in as you see fit here, but marketing for 2024 and then beyond. I mean, your your main concern is profitability, Ben. Um, some would say in times of trouble, circle the wagons, keep doing what you're doing. No big moves. Others would say, yeah, let's stay flexible. Let's change our approach for marketing in 2024 so that we can have a beyond to market. Um, are you changing your approach or sticking to your guns for 2024? Well, my marketing for last year could be only described as worse than expected. I, uh, you know, hard to, you know, sure, yeah, sell it all when uh, CZ23, new crop. Uh, 23 corn was six bucks uh, mm -hmm. well you know it didn't rain here all last summer and you know it's just hard to pull the trigger like you should we sure. made some sales we took some we had some puts but nothing like we should have you know given what we've had mm -hmm. i think that there's uh you know i think there's some factors in the market um some educated opinions i talked to this week they think that ai is having a huge impact on the uh velocity and the the magnitude of the moves in our market mm. that these computer learning models just drive us so far in one direction and they've been successful pushing our grain markets down um yes you can point to the uh, private and nas numbers and say that there's you know ample supplies but uh you know that historically that uh we're probably at fairly good prices for uh the amount of carryover we have. And then, you know, you've got your crowd that will say that, oh my goodness, you know, the market doesn't care about cost of production. Well, in the shorter term, no, but in the longer term, I mean, fringe acres aren't gonna get bid in. Look, let's look at this year's uh, upcoming planting intentions. If corn, new crop corn is, uh, you know, a $4 thing, four to $5 thing, I don't know. There's not as many places that make sense to plant four and five dollar corn as seven dollar corn. So I imagine acreage royals in. We uh, dial back the uh, the groceries we throw at the crop, fertilizer, fungicides, inputs, and you know we we pull things back. I uh, my personality is I can't. I don't have that much of a survivorship bias. I can't pull the trigger on selling a lot of new crop now because. History will tell us sometime this summer we'll have a scare and we'll have some better prices and hopefully it won't be over me again. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of waiting for a little better opportunity to sell uh, because right now it's worse than expected. Mm -hmm. But that does sound like the type of deal where once you do get that pop, boy, Ben Wrench, you better be ready, better be paying attention, better know what that number is and pull the trigger. Fair statement? You know wouldn't a 40 cent rally in new crop corn feel like a gift right now? Oh, I, I think, I think you better, you know, yeah. I mean, if you, if you're ready to sell it there, you probably ought yep. to have some orders in place to buy some puts, you know, or something like that. So, yep. or at uh, least, or at least have a concept of what those, those numbers might look like. Ted, uh, what's, what's your approach in these turbulent times here? Are you changing it or sticking to your guns? I think we stick to our guns from the standpoint of, you know, the right now, and Ben's 100% right, it's worse than expected. But I also think that, you know, we, we, we normally have a fair amount sold by, you know, I would say maybe 25% of our 24 production is priced, you know, was priced a while ago. I think we have to, you know, take advantage of those things when we're there. I'm a little concerned that some of the people we work with right now are suggesting that uh, we even start looking out to the 25 crop at $5. And, you know, that mm. has me a little concerned, but also I know that what they're thinking. And, you know, if you go back to a short crop like 2012 and then how great prices were, and while this wasn't necessarily a short crop, if you look at all the charts, 
we're headed down on trend. And while your previous guest was talking about longer term agriculture looks great, it's the near term. Just remember from 2013 to 2018, that was a very, very struggling time for us. And that's about where we were on those carryouts then. And, and those type of things concern me about how long could this last? Because we're, you know, if, if they're right on the size of the crop that we had this year, yeah, we're good at growing, we're good at growing crops. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Is that or writing is, fiction? I don't know. One of the two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I I just wanted to ask you, Ted, real quick. Um, I know that that Caleb is around your son. Um, genera- generationally, is your approach aggressive enough? Uh, too aggressive? What What does Caleb make of of your marketing approach? I'm just curious. Well, to be honest, he's he's handling it. I mean, we made the transition okay. back in 2019. Yeah. So Scott and Caleb uh, Banken. They each own 40% of this uh, operation now, and I'm just 20%. So, okay. Uh, and, and I will tell you this, and I would tell a lot of older guys out there, do it. You can't have more fun because these mm-hmm. guys let me do the things I like to do. And then when the salesmen come in and knock on the door and they want to visit, I say, ah, you're talking <laughs> to the wrong guy. And that makes it really nice, too. So you get to do that. And, and yet... I mean, I I think if I can use the term, I think they're kind enough to let me at least feel like I might be the chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. know what? They're 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 the managers and they're calling the shots. And I couldn't. First of all, I couldn't be more proud. And second of all, um, I am having a blast. Yeah, good, good. That's that's what it's about. I'm glad to hear you're in that spot there, Ted. Um, yeah, that succession can be can be tricky. Um, Ben, I want to I want to ask you some questions about carbon capture. Um, from your view, yeah. what is the latest? Are we gaining traction there? Honestly, I haven't heard a whole lot lately about carbon capture. So, can you just give us a quick brief update about where that's at? Yeah. Well, when this came out of the chute, everybody wanted to be into it, and there were some yeah. early programs to incent farmers to uh, to try and be more regenerative in their farming and Really, they are just thinly veiled marketing schemes. You know, we can either put five million in the advertising budget, or we can give you a little jingle for planting a cover crop, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's kind of sorting themselves out, and there's some real ones out there, and they require that you uh, actually make an active effort to uh, be a better farmer, be more planet positive. But what I think you really need to watch in this, my son, I, I too have a younger generation coming on our farm and my son has been particularly good at just you know did you start this process by walking into the FSA and RCS and talk to them about you know some of their programs Hmm. and it's amazing what what he's you know got us signed up for in the next year or two and then there's some private ones that the consumer packaged good companies have to say that they have some sort of carbon reduction sustainability initiative and they've printed in their annual report and they don't want to go to the to the gray bar hotel for not meeting these things and so there were some some things that came up this spring we signed up for that pay real money i mean real money like trade pickup money uh for doing some smart things on our farm And last but not least, in the carbon space, what you need to be watching right now is these 45Z tax credits that are, you know, part of the, I believe they're part of the Inflation Reduction Act or tied closely there too. And then that the the, uh, renewable fuels manufacturers should be able to pass some of this value on in in their grain bins. So make sure you know what they call, if you don't know what a carbon intensity store is, that's what you need to do. Find your CI score. Carbon intensity score. Uh, ben, that's that's, uh, that's a really great, great update there. Uh, I may swing us over into those biofuels and start with Ted Hamer. We're going to go lightning round through the fourth here to get through the rest of this on AgriTalk. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, 
What's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system. From fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture. And here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. T.J. Wilson, Director of Finance Sales at FBN, is here to talk about why farmers are choosing to finance their land with FBN Finance. T.J., as farmers consider where to get their land financing, why should they consider FBN Finance? Yeah, at FBN Finance, we're dedicated to family farmers. Uh, We've created an experience to provide farmers all the essential information they need during their land financing journey. We offer our free land evaluation tool, AcreVision, to access land insights and metrics, land loan calculator to view estimated rates and fees when you are ready to get pre-qualified, or you can use your online application to take advantage of instant approvals on qualified applications. Okay, you just mentioned pre-qualification, instant approvals. Can you explain those and how they might benefit farmers? Yeah, if you're starting your process, we offer pre-qualifications so you know your loan possibilities from the start. You can go into negotiations with more confidence and speed up the timeline when you are ready. We created an online application that will save you time and you can track your application's progress. Every minute counts, which is why we offer instant approvals where your land loan application could potentially be approved within minutes for land loans up to 2.5 million. Wow, okay. Are there any other benefits that we have not mentioned? Everything we do here at FBN Finance is to empower farmers. With over $1 billion in funds committed across over 1,700 farmers and counting, we make it easy and affordable for you to finance your operation with land purchases, refinances, or improvements. And right now, we're offering AgriTalk listeners $500 off your closing costs for land loans over $250,000. All you need to do is fill out our form at fbn.com agritalk or call us directly at 833-FBN-LEND, that's L-E-N-D, to speak with a loan advisor and mention Agritalk. Fantastic. Thank you, TJ. That is TJ Wilson, Director of Finance Sales at FBN. FBN.com slash Agritalk or call 833-FBN-LEND and be sure to mention Agritalk. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Normally, beloved listener, I would affirm that, but no, there's no time. Don't call. Don't call. There's no time because we got to go lightning round here. I've got 
Ben Renchi and Ted Hamer, a couple of farmers from Iowa. Um, Ted, I'm going to throw it over to you. Biofuels, um, what are you excited about, if anything, in the biofuels? And I might even just sort of roll in domestic demand expectations because it feels to me like domestic demand expectations can get out of hand in a hurry. Your thoughts? Well, I, that's what we've been told now for about two years, you know, that right. we aren't going to be able to grow grow enough soybeans for the renewable diesel and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm ready for it. It could happen, you know, if they want to, if they want to get to that level that they say we need to be at tomorrow, that's fine with me. Let's get there. Um, but, you know, as, as everything, it, it, it takes time to get there, but I am excited. I mean, I think it sounds great. Um, I like the fact that they're buying my soybeans and, mm-hmm. and the fact that we have a uh, big oil on our side this time in this debate yeah. where in the ethanol side, we didn't, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that will help. That definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting wrinkle. Um, Ben domestic demand expectations in 2024 and through 2030, it's a big topic. Uh, I guess basically my question is, are expectations realistic from those that you've spoken with? I would say wholeheartedly so, uh, Touching on what Ted just said, uh, okay, if you want any sort of counterpoint with all the new soy crush uh, capacity going in, I will say that uh, before you count it all as additional markets, I think some of that is actually going to replace some very uh, dated infrastructure in soy crush. So, you know, but if you have a 75% catch, catch rate, this is still a huge new increase in soy oil demand. Now, on corn, I will make the argument, if you look at corn ethanol use, and I know you can find a headline every day that says that we're either going to not sell ethanol or we're going to triple it, ethanol demand is relatively constant. I mean, it doesn't look like the corn chart in terms of variability. I mean, it looks like if you don't have a pandemic or you don't have an annual kind of fall shutdown, Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like it vacillates a few percent. It's yeah. not a crazy huge increase or decrease. It's here to stay. It's part of the infrastructure. Well, you might say actual demand for ethanol is worse than expected, but maybe we would take stability over huge volumes. Ted? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I... I and I don't know where you want me to go with that, but I just, you know, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it's just that, you know, there are some exciting things out there. And I, yeah. and I do think long-term agriculture does look very promising. However, you know, you kind of talked about some other topics we could talk about. There does seem to be a lot of push against us as farmers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got John Kerry out there trying to, tell us that you know we're causing all this climate change and right. you know so th- those those type of things do concern me mm-hmm. that well, and here's yeah. this i've got a i've got a news story here just from just this morning french farmers staged protests uh, wednesday today across france and in brussels yep. against low wages and what they consider to be excessive regulation mounting costs and other problems now fellas i wasn't going to bring up the the uh, the davos summit with the world economic forum but I'm seeing some significant pushback on some of these globalist ideas, some of these ideas that that want to uh, that would be critical of the of the farming industry, and uh, we're seeing European farmers push back in big ways. Um, I don't know, guys. Does a does an election fix it here? I don't know who wants to weigh in on that. No, one. no. It, it, well, I'm, no. I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick. Yeah, no, do an election doesn't fit, doesn't fix it because. Here's the thing. Business grows at the speed of trust and Mm -hmm. we don't trust. We don't trust. We don't trust who's in charge anymore. And that's unfortunate, but that is the truth. Um, We don't trust whoever is in control of the White House or Congress. And that's why it's going to take a long time to build that trust back before we'll grow. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, well, Joe, you, uh, yeah. you know, we've maybe, we've, we've maybe reached peak Davos, you know. I mean, yeah. let's face it, the World Economic Forum is where the billionaires tell the millionaires to have their working people give more entitlements to people <laughs> who don't want to work. 
And so anyway, you know, it's, but I think the message, you know, is that look at Germany, you know, if you've seen any of these cracker rallies in Germany the past yeah. 10 days, it's just fascinating, you know, that you can only push people so far and then they break. And yeah. we had a couple German uh, interns at our farm last year. They're, they're driving tractors to, you know, Hanover and Berlin and, and uh, you know, representing their families don't want to be oppressed. Yeah, I think that's very cool. Very cool. Um Quickly, I I want to move to the New Hampshire primary just really quick, just because of this question here, and I think it was probably from an exit poll, but um, they report if Trump, uh, former President Donald Trump, is convicted of a felony, 42% of voters in New Hampshire and nearly a third of Iowa's Republican caucus goers said Trump would be unfit for the presidency. Now, I maintain that the Republican side is convinced the Biden, families are, Biden family uh, complete criminals. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, everybody's convinced that Donald Trump is a complete criminal. When we're talking about trying to find the middle here, um, I don't know. How concerned are you if Trump is convicted of a felony? Uh, ben, let's throw that to you quickly. Well, uh, on one of the farmer boards I serve, uh, we get very good Washington insight and Probably what I heard about this. Look, most of the cases have been brought by some sort of activism or activist, activist right. judges. And uh, I think that as you as Trump becomes clarified as the nominee, you ask yourself as a judge whether you really want to say Trump, you know, attack some woman in a Macy's fitting room, you know. Right. Maybe, right. Uh, maybe uh, you know, so maybe some of this backs off. I think mm-hmm. this is about, you know, winding people up so that they watch you know the news that's what it's about wind people up so they watch the news man that's uh that's right there um ben wrenchy thanks for being on the show this morning we really appreciate your time brother uh have a great day hey this was not worse than expected this was better (laughs) than expected. absolutely and ted the hammer appreciate you brother have a great day ted yeah, thanks. I was going to say that, Ben. I was going to say the show was worse than expected. <laughs> All right, I'm cutting you guys off. Michelle oh, Rook has Arlen Suderman this afternoon on AgriTalk. <laughs> there I was, driving along, when I saw the corn laying down in the field, goosenecked again. Even though I tried everything, new traits, existing soil insecticides, every corn grower knows the hassle of gooseneck corn. But now there's Nerisma Insecticide from BASF, a better, stronger Infro Insecticide that controls corn rootworm and below-ground pests. Stand up for your corn with Nerisma Insecticide. Ask your authorized BASF retailer about Nerisma and always read and follow label directions. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel, and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail.